The song you will hear in the following episode is the iphonic remix of This City by Patrick Stump and Lupe Fiasco, copyright 2011 by Sony ATV Publishing. All Cleveland Browns highlights that appear in this episode appear courtesy of the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Connor in the backfield on the right side of Big Ben. Motion by the tight end. McDonald down the line, left to right. And the snap goes high over the head of Big Ben. All the way back to the two, to the one. And the Browns have it in the end zone. And they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown. Carl Joseph's got it in the end zone. A touchdown. Not a bad start. Six-nothing Browns. Marquise Bouncy just sailed the ball over the head of Big Ben, who looked at James Conner. They raced back towards inside the five-yard line. It went into the end zone. B.J. Goodson and Carl Joseph were over there, and Joseph recovers it. Field under center on first down and 10. Takes the ball, gives it. Hunt runs. He's to the 10. He's to the 5. He buries that shoulder and drives in for a touchdown. Kareem Hunts and the Browns lead 20 to nothing. You're on Cleveland bound. That's my town where they show you love if they seen you around. All of my dogs up in the dog pound. Man, I love my tribe, my calves, my browns. That's my hey, and Welcome to another episode of the Feeling Dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Johnson. Hey, we got a full crew tonight as well. First, we're going to introduce the boys. Jack, how you doing tonight, man? I am doing fantastic, Tyler. How you doing? Hey, man. D- doing good, doing good. Uh, not too bad for a Monday. Uh, Zach, live from North Carolina. How you doing tonight? Yeah, man, this, this is new. This is something new. I unfortunately broke my normal headset, so I'm recording through my laptop and AirPods, but excited about what the show we got going on tonight. Yeah, for sure, man. Definitely glad you're able to join us, um, even though you had some uh, headset issues at the very last minute. And finally, uh, we got Peter Nab, the producer. How are you doing tonight, Pete? I'm doing good, doing good. It's great to have another awesome interview here, and I'm really looking forward to it, and glad to be a part of it as uh, as we're getting going here. Yeah, for sure. And everyone, we are in for a treat tonight. We are joined by Browns guard Michael Dunn. Michael, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, again, we appreciate you just taking the time, uh, again, out of your day just to join us. And we really just want to first just really dive into things here. We know that you had a chance to play for an awesome college in Maryland. Um, So we just want you to take us through your experience there and what it was like playing in the Big Ten and what was one of your favorite games that you got to play in when you were at Maryland? Yeah, no, I mean, it was unreal. Um, You know, I'm from Maryland. College Park, where the campus is, is only like 25 minutes away from home. And, you know, growing up, being in Maryland around campus, you know, it was really cool to be able to, you know, attend your university and not only that, play football there. You know, having the experience uh, we actually had two years in the ACC when I was there, and then three years in the Big Ten, so kind of getting best of both worlds, you know, having Florida State and Clemson one year, and then next year we got Penn State, Michigan. 
So, I mean, it was always a, a cool experience, whichever level we were at. Yeah, definitely no doubt about that. And that's pretty cool to be able to have that opportunity to play in two different conferences like that. What would you say that one of your favorite games that you got to play in was? My all-time favorite is my sophomore year. We were playing at Penn State. We ended up beating them at Penn State on a game-winning field goal. That's the one game I'll never forget in my entire life. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember. It was uh, pretty notorious for our captains not shaking their hands. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you I guys remember, remember that. that at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, we kind of had to win the game after that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's definitely the, the number one that stands out the most. That's awesome. Again, just to be able to have um, really just one of those memories, especially Penn State of all of all teams. I mean, I, I'm a huge Ohio State fan myself, and I so, really so don't we, like we, we could agree as uh, – you know, our hatred towards Penn State. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Is that, is, is that the team that you really, like, just can't stand? Like, it's, it's always kind of funny since um, growing up in Maryland, a lot of Penn Staters kind of come from Maryland, and, you know, a lot of my close high school friends went to Penn State, so it was always kind of back and forth between us. <laughs> and, uh, like, I kind of felt when we went to the Big Ten, you kind of you, – you wanted to find a rival somewhere. So I kind of felt like – Maryland picked up Rutgers and we've always had a good back and, you know, back and forth with them. But, you know, Penn State was Penn State. Being able to go up there and, you know, beat beat them our first year in the Big Ten really kind of marked our territory in the Big Ten. And, you know, I felt like since then there's always kind of been a rivalry going there. At least from our end. Yeah, I mean, and really just talk to us now. I mean, obviously you played at Maryland, a really great college. Now really just take us through your personal draft experience. It's always cool to learn different stories about players and how um, how their experience was and what teams showed the most interest in you really leading up to draft day in 2017. Yeah, I mean, uh, my draft day sucked. <laughs> it, uh, it was a very disappointing day, and... I actually, so I, I actually got to Maryland as a walk-on. I, I walked on at Maryland. No real thought I'd ever play there. And, uh, like, kind of just being able to go to Maryland was good enough for me. You know, I get to say I'm on the football team, and I was totally happy with that. Redshirt in my first year, and then after that, you know, it really kind of clicked for me. You know, put on a lot of weight, and I went on to start 48 games for Maryland. Most of it at left tackle. So... My senior year after starting 48 games, you know, really felt like I had what it took for the NFL. You know, I was definitely, you know, ready my senior year for that next step. And unfortunately, I ended up getting hurt and I dislocated my shoulder. I tore my labrum. It's, it's kind of funny. I actually had a, a it was a tackle pass back. So I caught the ball and just landed awkwardly. When I was coming down, dislocating my shoulder, really kind of set the stage for the draft process. Couldn't do pro day, no all-star games, nothing. Get to the draft. You know, I'm thinking I'll get picked up somewhere. And, you know, you're kind of told that you're medically rejected from all the teams. So you're kind of like, oh, well, what do I do now? A couple months go by and my shoulder's starting to heal up. And, you know, I was talking the most with the, the Rams during the whole process. So once I was able to kind of clear physically, they... And I was able to go sign with the Rams before training camp started. But, yeah, my, my draft experience is definitely not the usual one for sure. And you brought up the Rams, and, and obviously you've been to a lot of different teams. You know, you've been with the Rams, the Jaguars, the Dolphins, but also you've been part of not only 
the uh, the AAF with the with the Birmingham yeah, Iron, Birmingham but you were also with the XFL with the Seattle Dragons. Yeah, the Dragons. And I mean, I was watching the and I was watching the the, the XFL. I was loving the XFL. But I think a lot of people are really interested in knowing, like, what is the difference between the NFL game and the XFL game and the AAF game? How are they different? How are they the same? The XFL and AAF were, I mean, huge experiences in my life. It kept, you know, my football going. You know, when things were kind of looking done for me, they gave me the opportunities to play. And, you know, obviously both times ended up working out in the sense that I got picked up. There, there's a lot of talented players who kind of just slip through the cracks and end up in the AF and XFL. And, you know, I did think the competition was good. Obviously, it's, you know, it's a lot different going against guys in the XFL, AF, and then, you know, going against guys like Cam Hayward or, you know, Miles Garrett in practice every day and, and I Sheldon Richardson, like those guys. No, I mean, I, I always have an appreciation for the XFL, the AF, and the talent that they had. And, you know, a lot of good players came out of it, but uh, you know, it's definitely a you know a, a different level. And do you think do you think we'll see the the XFL or any of these other like lesser or like smaller and like football leagues come back? Do you think that those are? Kind yeah, of- I mean, I, I really hope so. I mean, the way I looked at it is when I was in it, is I never did it to be an XFL football player or an AEF football player. Like, I never really, I didn't join so I could be you know, representing the Seattle Dragons for years to come. I, I joined so I could get back to the NFL. Right. And right. I think that is something that, in my you know, in my opinion, where I have no understanding of, you know, how the leagues are built and, you know, the TV contracts and the money situation and all that, for there just to be opportunities for guys like me who, you know, have fallen through the cracks, got caught, uh, to at least – develop and show what they could do i think that's huge i I haven't really been able to watch or anything but i see like i think like the spring league or something is going on now and i actually know some guys in it and you know i I, it doesn't need to be a huge thing like you know kind of what i felt the xfl was you know just a way for guys to get on the field and show what they could do yeah and i always really enjoyed the xfl as well I, i thought it was a pretty good product of football i mean that they were putting on and it had a huge popularity i think what happened was when COVID really took, started taking yeah. place, they kind of just shut it down. I mean, I thought they had a little bit of steam to sustain for at least a year or two. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt I felt the same. My, my perspective on it of it when I was in it, you know, I, I always kind of felt like the XFL was going to be around. But me personally, I was, I, I was kind of like, I, I, I don't want to be doing the XFL myself. Like, mm-hmm. I was kind of just mm-hmm. doing it to get that stepping stone to the NFL again. So, mm-hmm. I mean... If you have guys like, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of guys who want to start it from the beginning and kind of ride with it for however many years. And that's kind of how you start like franchises and keep the players going and, you know, keep the same teams. And I think it'd be awesome if the XFL did become that. And hopefully it will if, if, if or when it comes back. You know, I, I definitely felt like I kind of had a different mindset when I was in it than, than that, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, obviously now you're Michael Dunn, guard for the Cleveland Browns. Talk about what it was like getting that call from the Browns and signing on August 9th, twenty twenty. I was it's crazy actually because you know you, you, the XFL season ended when COVID hit back in March, and I went from March until that time not on a team and in a time that no one was signing anywhere. There's no tryouts. There's no 
you know, mini camps, there's nothing. So a guy like me who's kind of bounced around for three years at that point, however long, it's tough to kind of get your door in the, in the door anywhere. I, I felt like I had a really good XFL tape. So I, I always felt like I was going to get picked up eventually, which kind of kept my motivation going, you know, during quarantine just to work out, kind of just set up a little gym in my fiance's parents' house garage and just like got to work. <laughs> there were definitely highs and lows. There were points that I was sure I was done and, you know, come August and no team was calling me and I didn't hear a word and training camps were going. It's kind of like, well, you know, now it's time to move on. Like, let's get that resume ready. Yeah, when uh, August 9th kind of came and uh, I get the call that the Browns wanted me, you know, I was stoked. I immediately hopped in my truck and drove six hours to Cleveland. I had no idea that I was on the Browns' radar. Just showed up immediately, did my couple days of quarantine in the hotel and, you know, joined the guys and got to work. That's awesome, That's Michael. Awesome. And. I mean, honestly, we all will forever, forever remember. Excuse me, that playoff stomping against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. For you, it, but for you, it is very special. Personally, it was your first career start. Mm-hmm. So, explain to the fans what it felt like having that wild card game being your first NFL start. Uh, it's, I mean, it's surreal. Like, uh, you know, um, you kind of, you know, I spent the entire season, uh, you know, man on the practice squad, and kind of just was able to get. Um, called up and down the roster, you know, throughout the, the, you know, the back half of the season, you know, at the time just getting called up just to, you know, be in uniform and, uh, was the coolest thing that I was like, I made it right there. Like I, I yeah. nothing else had to happen. I was just being in uniform on the game day was enough, you know, just kind of kept going about it, kept improving. You know, I, I owe a lot of, you know, thanks to coach Callahan and coach Peters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they really, took their time to work with me and, you know, just kind of show me how it's done. You know, the older guys, Joel, you know, JC, Wyatt, like kind of just, you know, basically showing me the ways and uh, letting me see kind of how they work and, you know, trying to replicate that, you know, finally, you know, it came where, uh, you know, (laughs) we get to the playoffs and that was super exciting on its own. And, uh, you know, you, you find out that Joel ended up testing positive for COVID. And in my head, you know, it was, I didn't even, like, it's, it's really crazy. I, you don't even think about it, like, about the football aspect. You hear COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, is, is Joel okay? How's he feeling? And you hear Coach Stefanski has it. You know, our offensive line coach, Coach Callahan, had it. Coach Peters had our assistant line coach. And, you really like it, it. Never crossed my mind that oh my gosh, like I'm going to be playing. It was just you're like, are these guys okay? You know, I'm you know reaching out to them and you know seeing how they're doing, like seeing how Joel's doing. And it wasn't until like a few hours later, our assistant line coach, Coach Peters, kind of reached out to me and he was like, hey, so you know you're going to be starting at left guard. Uh, <laughs> let's start watching tape together. And uh, that's kind of when it hit, and it was like okay like let's do this i mean this is what i've been waiting for yeah and um you know it's a weird week not really being able to be in the facility or anything like that but i mean everybody you know was a huge help and you know really kind of brought me along and i I honestly didn't even think about it the week leading up like it was just that's a normal week of preparation normal week of work Mm -hmm. for me and Mm -hmm. you know the time comes and you know it it was a exhilarating game but really grateful to be a part of it and 
you know, see that moment where, you know, we were able to get a, the first Browns win in however many years, 20 some years. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I since mean, I, 94. You know, we'll, we'll never forget it as fans, man. That's for sure. As, as soon as that snap went over Big Ben's head, I, I just remember freaking out and I'm like, holy crap, like, we're going to do this. And, that, and it was just yep. absolutely insane. I was on the bench with, like, kind of my helmet on, just like, kind of just thinking to myself. And all yeah. of a sudden, I just hear the sound I'm going crazy. And, you know, it was just like, uh, you know, from snap one, it kind of just felt like this is, you know, it's going to be our day. And, yeah. uh, well, Michael, there's, there's a clip, uh, especially like on the on the sideline where Wyatt is yelling at everybody. The the clip that, that Juju said the the Browns the Browns is the Browns. Oh, yeah. yeah. And 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 just like where were you in in relation to Wyatt? Were you like right in front right in front of him right, right in that line? Yeah, I mean, I'm always around Wyatt on the sidelines. You know, they kind of keep us O line and huddled together, and you know, just was he like that the whole day? Yeah, I mean, everybody was like that. Why is always like that? You know, he's really, a, you know, he's a really enthusiastic guy and really gets into it. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why you love playing with a guy like that. But, yeah, no, just, to, you know, every, everybody was, you know, going crazy. And you spoke about uh, – oh, no, go ahead, Zach. Sorry, I'm sorry about that, Jack. So speaking of players you uh, love to play with, how, how is it like playing and blocking for players like, you know, Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb? Uh, and does the, does the swagger that Baker brings to the team affect the offensive line group in any way? Definitely. I mean, all, all like, th- these guys on this team are phenomenal. Like, you just watch what they do, you know, in, in practice, on tape, on film. And you just, you know, it's, it's unreal some of the things that they're capable of doing. But you see how hard they work, too. And you see, you know, the level of commitment they put into it and their lead in that fashion as well. You know, it's, you know, of course it inspires guys around them to, you know, play for them, block for them, do whatever they have yeah. to do for them. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that makes this team so great. Yeah. Michael, have you ever had a conversation with Nick? he's a good dude though given obviously obviously as you mentioned you've you've paid your dues you know you paid your dues pretty much everywhere you went uh just you know looking for looking for an opportunity looking for an opportunity in the nfl and so i was kind of wondering from your perspective given the fact that there are three uh you know there are going to be three preseason games uh this year instead of four how do you think that's going to impact the guys that are you know the the guys that are trying to fight for those last yeah, like the, those the, last you know, spots on a roster that are you know trying yeah, to I trying mean, to get their foot I'm, in the door no matter what happens ever in my career i'm someone who you know i'm always competing i'm always fighting you know that's just what i've always done and um you know i i definitely see that the you know that point of you know, three as opposed to four and how normal years that fourth preseason game is for a lot of the young guys, you know, to kind of show what they could do. And, you know, that the fourth preseason game has helped me a lot in the past. Um, but also last year we had no preseason games and, right. you know, I felt like I had a really good training camp and was able to stick around. So that's kind of just one of those things that, you know, it's, that it is what it is and you kind of just roll with it and yeah. you know i know that we have a great system in place with whatever you know we have to do three four no preseason games and yeah. you know you just got to do what you have to do to you know stand out and work hard every day in practice and you know show that you're getting better every day and whenever you do have the opportunities in the preseason game to show what you could do 
you know, that's huge because, you know, the preseason games are, you know, obviously you're, you're fighting to make the team that you're on. Yep. But, you know, you're also trying to put out tape for all 32 teams out there. Yep. And what kind of, what kind of influence, um, uh, do, uh, do Brown's alumni uh, have on the team? I'm, I'm speaking, uh, I'm thinking specifically of, of a guy like Joe Thomas, for example. Does he stay? Do Brown's alumni stay in contact with the with the current with the current teams and say, "Hey, you guys are doing well, but here's here, here's what I think would be a good technique, some technique yeah, to work on." I or mean, uh, you know, I, I absolutely loved watching Joe Thomas growing up. Like uh, he, he best yeah. offensive lineman out there. So I mean, you know. Just to be on the on a team that where Joe Thomas played at is awesome, and be in the offensive line room. But you know, I, it was kind of tough this year. I'm sure you know they were talking to, you know, uh, like Jed and you know guys like that. Like I know Joel played with him for many years and all that. But you know, just with COVID, it was kind of tough for people to kind of come around the building and you know do the extra step. So you know. I, yeah, I, I know that they are. They keep in touch with you know the team and a bunch of guys, and you know the Browns have a great alumni network from how it appears. But just last year, I think it was just a tough situation, and mm-hmm. um, you know I'm sure moving forward it'll be you know e- easier kind of having access. I mean, when it comes down to just the impressive offseason additions last year, and one of the most impressive was the addition of O line coach Bill Callahan. What is it like being coached? by the best offensive line coach in the NFL and how has it really affected your game personally? No, I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful to be, you know, in that line room under coach Callahan and really get to learn from him. And, uh, you know, you just see the way he coaches and, you know, he, he really brings out the best in players in my opinion. And, uh, you know, just the certain techniques he uses and, uh, that him and, uh, coach Peters kind of have installed and, you know, just are, you know, the, every individual drill is so important and uh, kind of just every aspect of being an offense lineman is a, a big deal for them. And, you know, just being able to understand how they play and how they want us to play and, you know, kind of just going with that has been huge for my career and just my development. And, you know, really excited to, you know, get to, this offseason training camp and continue developing under them. Yeah. I mean, and when they weren't available um, due to COVID, what was it like? I mean, on the sideline, really not having your traditional online coaches with you. Yeah. I mean, it was different, uh, but you know, all week they were in the zoom meetings. They were, you know, I was talking to coach Peters like mm-hmm. hours throughout the day is just, you know, getting myself ready and just talking technique and talking film and, you know, you know, our opponents and everything. And, uh, you know, you get to game day, it was definitely a different feel not having coach Callahan, coach Peters, but, you know, JC, you know, that's, that's, you know, it's such a benefit to have a guy like JC, you know, just, uh, basically a player coach almost and kind of took, took the O line by the reins and kind of just helped everybody out. Uh, you know, guys like Joel, Jack, like these guys have done it for so long now and they know what they're doing. And, you know, just to take, kind of take me under their wing and keep going with it. Just kind of continuing off of our last of, of last season's uh, additions, obviously we, we added the, the coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski, and everything that we see from Kevin Stefanski is that he's very level-headed and he's even-keeled, but obviously you, you've been with the team uh, for the whole season. 
is there, is there any experiences that you've had where he's he's you know kind of cracked? He's he's been funny. He's been scary. Like has he has he ever lost his cool? Has he ever done something that people who just watch at home and see the highlights of him just standing there with a clipboard wouldn't expect? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's one of the most impressive parts about him is he's just even keel the entire time, doesn't lose his cool, and just kind of stays the same. And you know, honestly, it's uh, really impressive just to be around a guy like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he's, he's, uh, you know, the, the, the Browns are lucky to have him for sure. Yeah. So what, what you see is what you get. At yeah. Fans, you know? Yeah. And that, that, that's great for a locker room and for uh, players in general. So, yeah, I mean, as fans, we'd love to hear that. So, yeah. He hasn't kicked any trash cans or thrown any turfs. <laughs> no, no, not that I know of. <laughs> he does that in his office, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> or, he, or he did that when he was in his basement watching the Steelers game. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we – as Browns fans, obviously, um, the, the quarterback of the team, the, one of the stars of the team, and guy, I'm, I'm swearing a shirt tonight, Baker Mayfield. Uh, you got any good Baker Mayfield stories for us? I mean, he's just uh, he's kind of the same way. You kind of see him in, uh, you know, on TV all the time in the commercials and you know all his press conferences. Like he's just a he's just a, a cool guy. You know, he just uh, you know he's a, a leader amongst the you know amongst men and you know, has the confidence to back it up. And, you know, he's just, uh, you know, a, a fun guy to be around. We're all really excited to see him just keep progressing every single year and mm-hmm. see the quarterback that he'll become. And, you know, such a great year he had this past year. You know, he's just a, yeah, he's going to be a, he's going to have a fun season for sure. Yeah, definitely. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. <laughs> that was that was perfect, Pete. Good job. Thank there. you. Uh, no, yeah. We need it once every show. Yeah. All right, all right, Mike. Michael, the last question we got here for you. Obviously, beside yourself, of course. Who is the best dancer on the team? The best dancer on the team. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. A trick question. Yeah, I, we've seen I, all I kinds know. of videos. So I mean, there's got there's got to be yeah, at least or maybe like a top three. Is it top juice? Three. Be honest. Is it juice? I mean, Juice is pretty pretty talented at dancing as well, but uh, is it probably Odell? Yeah, is yeah. his dancing contagious? Is his dancing contagious? So. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never really hopped in myself in the you know the dance circle or anything like that. Oh, you're not a TikTok guy, huh, Michael? Yeah, I, I can't say I am, but uh, <laughs> but uh, now nah, yeah, we got some we've got some pretty good dancers and athletes on the team. <laughs> Just give uh, it your top three. I don't know. I'll just go with the receiver room. <laughs> Understand. Agreeable. That makes sense. O- OB- OBJ, Juice, and Hollywood. Yeah. That, that just seems very fitting. <laughs> oh, man. Because, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that just uh, Higgins' celebration is probably one of the best. Yeah, yeah the they got some pretty good celebrations going. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot more of the season, huh? Yeah. <laughs> If, okay. if, you, if, if you ever score a touchdown, do you got anything special for us? I don't know. I might just pull the, the – I'll probably just pull the Kendall Lamb basically and just turn around and hug all the offensive linemen. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even know what to do. Uh, well, well, Michael, we really appreciate uh, you join, just joining us again tonight. And, guys, um, you, you're really going to want to turn into tune into this interview. It was a great time with Michael. And I just want to let you know where you guys can find us. You can find us on uh, Facebook at the Feeling Dangerous Podcast. Um, really starting to get a good audience on there. We appreciate that. Obviously on Twitter as well. Um, 
at FD Podcast CLE on our new Instagram page as well. And that's the same ad as our Twitter handle. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and, and Apple Podcasts. Give us that five star review. Just want to thank you guys for tuning in as always. And we're the Feeling Dangerous podcast, and we'll see you guys next week. James Conner in the backfield on the right side of Big Ben. Motion by the tight end. McDonald down the line, left to right. And the snap goes high over the head of Big Ben. All the way back to the two, to the one. And the Browns have it in the end zone. And they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown. Carl Joseph's got it in the end zone. A touchdown. Not a bad start. 6 nothing Browns. Marquise Bouncy just sailed the ball over the head of Big Ben, who looked at James Conner. They raced back towards inside the five-yard line. It went into the end zone. B.J. Goodson and Carl Joseph were over there, and Joseph recovers it. Field under center on first down and 10. Takes the ball, gives it. Hunt runs. He's to the 10. He's to the 5. He buries that shoulder and drives in for a touchdown. Kareem Hunts and the Browns lead 20 to nothing. You're on Cleveland bound. That's my town where they show you love if they seen you around. All of my dogs up in the dog pound. Man, I love my tribe, my calves, my Browns. That's my heart. That's my soul.